and I was um, asking the Lord what he wanted me to preach about this weekend, and I kept getting community, 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 I'm like, ugh, nobody wants to hear that, they're so sick of it, <laughs> right? And I couldn't, um, you know, I couldn't get away from it, I'm like, okay, I guess I'll just go with it, you know? So I, I posted my sermon, and I usually work on my sermon on Saturday morning, I just get all my notes together and start putting it together. And the one thing that's kind of cool, you guys, I really believe, Christy said something to me the other night, you said you've been praying about 2020, and what came to you was that 2020, what does 2020 stand for? Is your vision, 2020 vision, you know? And um, I really think we're in first, we've been in a lot of shaking and maybe turmoil and whatever's been going on, and I think that's still, we're still in the middle of it. I'm not really sure that's over yet. I don't know what the future holds. I feel like the Lord has started to open up some um, prophetic avenues for me. All my prophetic stuff usually comes through dreams, in the middle of the night through dreams. Can I tell Janet about what I had for you? <laughs> Janet. Janet she's going to do it anyway, I'm so you might want to say Three nights in a row, I had a dream of Janet giving birth, having... <laughs> Right, yes, Steve. Yeah. Oh, Sarah did that too. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't remember, I didn't remember until the third night that I'd actually had that three nights in a row. And I didn't even tell you in the morning, did I? Remembered in the middle of the afternoon when I finally told them. And the dream was that Janet was in a, um, Janet, Bob, and me, actually, all three of us were in a thrift store. And we were kind of frankly trying to get her baby paraphernalia together because it we were, it was such a shock and she didn't have anything left at home and we were just walking around going oh my gosh what are we going to do we've got to get ready for this it was we were kind of just like flabbergasted and stunned and we came up upon this like kind of plasticky junky looking it was either a baby carriage or like a playpen or something like that and Jane's like just get it <laughs> and I was like this is a piece of junk, man. Do we have to get this? Like, can't we get something nicer than this, you know? Then I remember me and Bob were walking around trying to, and it was just this feeling of like, this is unexpected, and we feel a little bit behind the eight ball, and now we gotta get ready for it. That's kind of the way I felt in the dream. And then Janet, you had another dream, right? After the next day, right? Power, she doesn't know if it's a power suggestion or whatever, but it was about having like a litter of babies and not being able to write. How many? Ten at a time, and not being able to like being distressed because she couldn't care for them all. Like she was like, I can't take care of ten at a time. But it's this idea of a bunch, you know, or, or unexpectedness, or whatever. Then I got home, and I was like, Well, I guess I'll just keep asking the Lord for, you know, dreams and stuff. One of the nights after I got home, that was during that was all during our weekend there. And then one of the nights I came home, I dreamt you love this, Chris. Me, Emma, and Carla all, no, Carla and Emma were pregnant and I was taking care of a baby. A lot of babies going on, I don't know. And then, for two nights in a row, and this is what brings me to my message today, I dreamt about Noah, the story of Noah. Like, why am I dreaming about Noah? And I dreamt this morning, I woke, woke up this morning frantically trying to get a message out, preach this message, and I couldn't get this message about Noah out. Either people were not talking, they were talking and not listening to me, or it wasn't the right time, and I was struggling to release this message or to bring this message about Noah, and I couldn't get it 
across to people. And I just was like, what the, what is that? So this morning when I sat down to work on my message, it kind of all came into glory for me. So my, my message is the power of community. I want to read, you guys know this, this is a scripture from Ecclesiastes. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down, they will keep warm. How can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. That's a real popular kind of a wedding quote, but it really applies even to our life as Christians together, as a family, as people in one fellowship. We need community. I believe, I believe, this is my first point, is America is being shaken. Not just the world, but America itself is being shaken. And I want to make this statement. God loves America. God loves America and has a destiny for America. There are certain things that have happened in America that have never happened anywhere else in the world. We are pioneers, not in just the idea of pioneering across this country and homesteading, but we are pioneers in a lot of things that have never happened before. America is the one who pioneered freedom, who has pioneered all these incredible opportunities of freedom that people, they are dying to get into our country. They are taking horrible risks. They're, they're swimming across rivers. They're, they're being packed into, into um, trucks. They're doing whatever it takes to come to America. There's something about America that people want. And I want you to know God loves that. God set America, and I'm not saying this to be like nationalistic or say we're better than any other country. I believe God has a destiny for every country. But in particular, I'm talking about America tonight. God has a destiny for America, and he loves America. Because he loves America, he's also going to crack America. He's going to bring a shaking to expose maybe where we've gone down the wrong path. And you guys, I think we're in that year, if not that season, more than, than we've ever seen in our lifetime, I think. I believe God is so for America, he won't let America go down without a fight. He's going to take the fight to the enemy. And that what that means is we live in America. We're going to feel what's going on with what God's doing. Do I believe that... There's my Emma. Come on in, honey. You guys, look at her beautiful hair. I know, it's really cool. Sit right up here, Emma. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Rainbow. We are in the middle of shaking, but we don't have to be afraid of the shaking. Because God always makes a way out for the righteous. Why did I dream two nights about Noah? Because Noah is the example of the righteous that was saved in the middle of the shaking. The story of Noah is what I want to talk about. Remember the, the story. Remember that God was grieved that he had made humanity. Because the earth was filled with violence. He regretted he made humanity. But he says to Noah, you've found favor with me and I'm going to preserve you. And I want you to know, if you're a Christian, you have right standing with the Lord. You have favor with the Lord. And he's going to make a way for you because he makes a way for the people that are righteous in his eyes. Every single person 
who has received Jesus is now righteous and right standing with the Lord. Not because of their works, but because of what Jesus has done. We appropriate, we make a transfer, we make an exchange when we become Christians. And we take on the righteousness of Christ, and that's what the Lord sees in us. And we are like the righteous Noah that God used. Not only did he preserve him, because here's the deal, you guys. Noah is the father of Shem, who is the forefather of Abraham, who is the father of the Israelites, who then is the father of many nations, right? Abraham is our forefather spiritually, and he goes back to Noah. And I want you to know something, that God is going to preserve us in this shaking. We don't have to be afraid. God's going to preserve us because he sees us as righteous in the land. He sees us as righteous in the land. He's going to provide a vehicle for us to rise above the waves. Does that mean we're not going to feel the waves? Does that mean we're not going to feel the persecution? Let me tell you, Noah was persecuted. Do you remember how they made fun of him? How many years did he build an ark before it actually rained and the ark was needed? And the people mocked him. They made fun of him. But guess what? He was the one that was saved. Now, here's the thing about Noah that I want you to, to know. I believe that God saved him because he's, he was righteous and he had favor of the Lord. But God also said, I want you to preserve the animals around you. Not only are you preserving, and you know what? Let's just face it. God could have recreated animals if he wanted to. He made it at the beginning. He could, re, could have recreated. There was something that he was telling Noah not only am I going to preserve you, but through you, I'm also going to preserve the rest of creation. And there were the animals that came to the ark, and they were in the ark, and he preserved all these different species after the flood so they could repopulate the earth. I believe that God is saying, I'm going to provide you a vehicle. I'm going to provide you a way of escape, not just for you, but for the world around you. You're not just responsible for you and your family. I want you to be responsible for the rebuilding that comes after this. There's going to be a rebuilding that comes after this that we have to be aware of. It's our responsibility to preserve the people around us. They may or may not be believers. I don't know. I believe we are in, I saw Bob, I talked to him today about this. I said this is almost an evangelistic kind of message because I believe there's going to be a great opportunities for, for us to evangelize like we've never evangelized before because those waves are going to scare people and we have a vehicle that they can get on board with. It's not an exclusive vehicle. It's not us and nobody else and you're just screwed. It's no, we've made a place for you. We've prepared for you. You're welcome. Come on board. Right. Come on board. That's what I believe God is calling us in this Noah kind of season. We need to prepare. We need to see the signs. We have to obey God. When God says, I want you to prepare X, Y, or Z, we need to prepare. Not, not as a place of fear, but because God's going to preserve us and we're going to be a, a ministry and an instrument to other people to preserve them. So we need to, we need to read the signs of the, of the times. You know, some people, I don't know if this is true. I will never know if this is true. They think we're in the middle of the end times or this is tribulation. I don't know. Maybe we are, but here's what I know. God's making a way for us. God's making a way for us. Amen. And for the people around us. Right. What, now, the question is, what is that way? What is that vehicle? What does that look like? And of course, you know where I'm going to go to, right? 
I believe community, no. I believe community is God's ark. I believe community is God's ark. Is that a surprise? I believe that godly community is, is the foundation, the bedrock that our society is built on, is godly community. It starts with marriage, goes to family, societies, countries, etc. It, it goes God, marriage, family, community, community, community. I believe that godly community is God's will for humanity as the ark if you will, that's going to help us rise above this chaos. I'm going to read from Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. In the first century, when the church was first formed, if you'll remember, Jesus was crucified, he died, he resurrected, he went to heaven. The Holy Spirit came down and the church was birthed. But the, the, the birth of the church did not come without birth pains, didn't come out come without actually violence. At that time, Saul was one of them, there were Jews and even Gentiles began to persecute the, the Christian church and scattered them, scattered them all over. And they they experienced severe, severe persecution. Their, Stephen was stoned to death. Um, so how Paul was imprisoned and put in jail. They were so many times people were stoned or almost killed, and the church was scattered to the four years, the four winds, I'm sorry, because of the persecution. But what was the response of the church at that time? They didn't say, Well, hey, let's go isolate and let's pretend we're not Christians and let's go off and, and we'll just scatter and we'll hide. What they did was they banded together. They became a band of brothers. They became people that said, we're going to live with one another. We're going to break bread. We're going to share everything that we have together. We're going to band together and be a support while we're going through this time of crisis. And I'm telling you, that's the kind of community that God is calling us to. He's saying, you're going to need to band together. You're going to need to, to have fellowship. You're going to need to share, eat. Your, that's why we do supper club, right? That's why we eat food because it's, a, it's an actual a principle of early church fellowship is breaking bread together, having communion together. There's some kind of power in that that we're supposed to exercise on a regular basis. And if you look at this scripture, the word devoted in the Greek means to persevere, to be constantly diligent, to continue in. And what that means is community is not an afterthought. It is actually a forethought. It is the priority. It's the number one thing that we do. If you see in this verse, they devoted themselves to the teaching, to fellowship, and breaking bread. Those three things. Teaching, fellowship, breaking bread. Those are our three components right there. What's the other one? And prayer. Sorry. Those are our four components. You're right. But it's in the context of community. It's in the context of sharing your life with each other. It's not Oh, go off separately and do these things. It's do them together. I believe we have to not only get back to that, we have to pursue that more than we've ever pursued it before because that's the arc that's going to carry us above the, the waves and that's what's going to attract the world. That's what's going to pull, if you will, the animals in. Remember the animals came to the ark. 
God called, God loaded the animals into the ark. Noah didn't have to go out and gather them. Noah didn't have to call them in. God called them in to this ark. And I believe community is the ark that people are going to be attracted to when we do it in a godly way. That's right. That's right. It's not, community is not an afterthought. It is not a second string strategy. It must be a priority. You know, when I went through my divorce, um, I couldn't have been in a better place physically in my job. It was a horrible thing that I went through, but I had never felt so much support as I did when I went through. I would tell people, I would pull my friends in, I would tell them what's going on, and they'd break down and start crying because they were so um, supportive and had so much compassion for what I was going through. I felt like, you know how when you had that mosh pit and people were carried around like on your fingertips or whatever? I felt like there was months when I was simply just being carried around on the shoulders of my Christian friends because I simply couldn't walk myself. And they were just carrying me kind of sharing the load from person to person because they love me so much. I couldn't have had a better community to go through what I went through at that time. And that's what I would hope for every single person who goes through hard times in their life to have that kind of loving community. And let me tell you, did I feel vulnerable? Super vulnerable. Did I feel exposed? Super exposed. It wasn't a fun place to be. It's not like I wanted everyone looking at my stuff and saying whatever they did. And you feel completely exposed. Did I feel completely loved? I felt completely loved. Did I feel supported? I felt completely supported. Of course, we're going to do community wrong sometimes because we're human beings. But that doesn't mean we stop doing it. And that doesn't mean we stop participating in it just because we experienced a bad model of it at some time. This verse says we pursue it. That's what the, the early church did, especially through persecution. Do you guys remember, um, do you remember Lord of the Rings? Who watched Lord of the Rings? All three movies. Well, okay, we'll start with this analogy. You know about, um, have you, all the men have probably watched Band of Brothers. Who's watched Band of Brothers? The series? Yeah. Three times. Three times. <laughs> of course I've seen it. Is that a series or a movie? Or I series? think it's a series. It's yeah. Serious. It's about, um, what's, what's the group in the 101st? It was, it was the 101st Airborne. It was Easy Company. It yeah. started from when they started in boot camp and training all the way through World War II. They were the ones that jumped behind enemy lines in Normandy. And they, they were the ones that captured the eagle's nest in, uh, up in Germany or Austria, right? So it follows a particular um, military group from boot camp all the way to when they kept, got eagle's nest, which is where um, Hitler was staying, right? right? They thought yeah, it was his Yeah, that was his out. place, yeah. That's so they, he was going to rule the world. From yeah, there. so they follow all their interactions and all their stories and stuff. And it's interesting, me and Chris have, um, so he drags me into some of his military movies and stuff. But the thing that I like about it is that here you have these men that maybe never would have met each other or, or not even have a similar interest or anything, and they're thrust into this particular combat situation, a crisis situation, and all of a sudden they have to have each other's backs. It's them 
against against death, and they will lay their lives down. We've been watching the um, Medal of Honor series on Netflix, yeah. right? And all the Medal of Honor people that have gotten that, and what they did to um, get awarded that, and it's almost always they did an uncommon valor. They sacrifice themselves for the men. A lot of uh, Medal of Honor um, people are not living, right? Because they were killed in the line of service or whatever. But it goes through their stories and it tells about, you see these men, they are so bonded together because of what they experienced in combat. So, and even after they get out of the military, they're still very, very close because of what they experienced when they went through combat. And that's the kind of, it may not be a godly community, but that's the kind of community that we need to become. We need to become so bonded together that we'll take a bullet for each other. That we'll stand between our brother, our sister, and the impending crisis that's coming. Uh, if you've ever watched Lord of the Rings, it's very similar. Lord of the Rings, while it's not a Christian, uh, overtly Christian piece of fiction, it has got God all over it. It's got Jesus all the way through it, and I love it. And it's about nine characters, and their, their quest is to get this evil ring from this... Uh, it's in the um, in the Shire to Mount Doom and throw it into the fire and so it will be destroyed. And so these nine men make a pact. They make a fellowship. We're going to all work together. We're going to support Frodo, who's the only one among us who can carry the ring because he's so pure-hearted and the ring is so evil. And we're going to do whatever it takes to get him to Mount Doom. And so the story, the Fellowship of the Ring and Lord of the Rings, is all about the journey from the Shire to throw on the ring in Mount Doom. And there comes one point where they get divided, they're not together, and it's just Sam and it's Frodo together. And Frodo falls down, he can't do it, I can't do it anymore, I can't do it anymore. And Sam picks him up and carries him all the way to the fire so he can throw it in. And right when he's standing there, ready to throw this ring in the fire, you, you, the movie pans over to um, Lord Aragorn, and he's, he's leading a whole charge of... Um, men against the demonic that's standing between him and the land of the dead and where Frodo is and they're completely outnumbered but they're like this is our assignment and this is what we're going to do and he turns back to all of them behind him Lord Aragorn does he becomes the king and he goes this is for Frodo and they run into the charge they run into the charge and they start fighting for Frodo because they've made a pact that we're going to support him he's our assignment this is the fellowship of the ring. We have to have that kind of loyalty to one another because the world is longing for that. The world wants to see authentic community, authentic loyalty, authentic love, and authentic sacrifice. And they're going to get on board. They're going to run to the ark, let me tell you. The world is so disillusioned with what they see out there and even what they've seen in some church. They're so disillusioned with it. They have to see authentic love. They have to see authentic sacrifice. And you're not gonna, you're not, you won't be able to keep them off the ark. They'll overload the ark because they wanna be there. That's what we're all looking for is authenticity in our relationships. And I believe the power of community is that if we will, if we will take up the charge of authentic community, and we will not only really live it out with each other, Christians, and but but model it to the world around us. That's going to be the strongest 
evangelistic tool we could ever use or ever have. Good word. Our world needs godly community. <laughs> Remember, God loves America. And he loves every person in America. Whether you like their politics, their sexuality, their uh, whatever they do, God loves them. This is why he's shaking America. God is shaking America because he loves America and he loves the people in America. Our call is to love America and love the people in America. Love the politicians, love the sinners, love the people we don't agree with. That's what we're called to do. I want to read to you, you know, this is why I think the coronavirus has been <laughs> unleashed from the pit of hell, is what I'll tell you. I believe, truly, we do not war against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities. And I want you to understand that people are deceived. They're deceived. It's They really may believe what they are saying. And we need to understand more than ever that we are going to love them and, and fight against the powers and principalities. One of the things I think about coronavirus that is so um, why it, the agenda of it is because one of the aspects of this pandemic, this coronavirus, has been to say you can't get together. You need to be isolated. You need to be socially distanced. Oh, by the way, if you're in California, you can't sing in church. You can't sing in church. I want. Go ahead. Hear what um, a bunch of Christians did. Um, all worship pastors. What they do? I think it was. Um, yeah, they sang. And they oh, what the Golden Gate San Francisco? Congregation that sang for two hours in a place they've never seen. You know, I'm not one. You know, obviously, I'm not one to stand up here and incite, you know, civil rebellion or anything like that. But I just want you to know that's an agenda. That's an agenda. Our strongest weapon right now is the prayers to the Lord. Is crying out to God. Is to not be silent in this. Does that mean we disobey our civil authorities? Not necessarily, but I want you to understand and have eyes to see what's going on here. Isolation is not God's plan for humanity to be isolated from one another. That is not God's plan. God's plan is godly community. I'm going to read this to you from the American Psych. American Medical Association. Leading theories of suicide emphasize the key role that social connections play in suicide prevention. Individuals experiencing suicidal ideation may lack connections to other people and often disconnect from others as suicide risk rises. Suicidal thoughts and behaviors are associated with social isolation and loneliness. Therefore, from a suicide prevention perspective, it is concerning that the most critical public health strategy for COVID-19 crisis is social distancing. Furthermore, family and friends remain isolated from individuals who are hospitalized even when their deaths are imminent. To the extent that these strategies increase social isolation and loneliness, they may increase suicide risk. In fact, suicide has gone up in America since 2013, continues to go up, rising and rising and rising. And then, then, this is great, this is the American Medical Association, Go on, goes on to say this about church. Many Americans attend various community or religious activities. I'm bold with this. Weekly attendance at religious services has been associated with a five 
hold lower suicide rate compared with those who do not attend. Wow. The effects of closing churches and community centers may further contribute to social social isolation and hence suicide. Do you think? Do you think? Here is a non-Christian scientific journal saying weekly attendance at religious services has been associated with a five-fold lower suicide rate. Wow. I think I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again. It's an example of what community can do when people are depressed and hopeless. You know, what happens when we become isolated is we start believing our own lies. We start telling ourselves stuff, believing our own self-talk. We, um, we're more susceptible to the lies of the enemy. We get tired. We get hopeless. And a lot of times we give up, right? So um, I think I've told you this before. When I was 17, I biked cross country from coast to coast on my bicycle. And we rode about 100 miles a day on that. We carried stuff on the back of our bikes and our panty in panniers. We set our tent up every night. It was a hard, hard, physically demanding adventure. And what would happen is, you know, boys and girls are different. Boys tend to be, Bob, you love this, they're all thrust and no vector. They're, they're just hit the road and go. And they go, 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 and then they just, they're done. Tent, usually girls just hang back and they just, they can go for hours and hours and hours and hours. And they have more endurance. But there was this one girl that she was new to. And, and when you bike for those long distances, you begin to, like, figure out, even mentally how to stay in the game. Like, you know what you need to do. We draft behind each other because the person in the front is, is um, you know, they're making a way behind. You can bike easier behind them because they're, they're um, what's that called? Draft. Drafting. Anyway, this one girl, she was brand new to our, um, our trip. She had never really done a lot of biking like that before, so she didn't know her mental game. She didn't understand what it would be if you became isolated or if you became alone from the group. The other thing is, and this was, this is a really weird afterthought, but this is, we had to eat so much physically to stay, um, have our calories be up, that eating became such a chore and mundane, which is hilarious because all I want to do is eat these days, right? You know, I'm like, what can I eat next? What would be when's my dinner? You know, whatever. And when we were biking and, and using up those many, that many calories, we, we just have like Captain Crunch cereal in our front bag. We just, you know, take, eat handfuls of it like every five minutes or whatever. And it was nothing. It was like eating straw. It meant nothing. That's how much your mind changes, you know. But anyway, she, um, my friend, her name is Deanna, she um, started right going up this really um, steep, steep hill, almost a mountain, like five or 10 or 15 miles long. And she got, this is funny, she got about, half a mile from the top, after going 15 miles up, uphill, that's gonna take you a couple hours, about half a mile from the top, and she was so hopeless, and so tired, and so worn out, she had nothing to eat, and, and no one was with her, she was all by herself. And what she's thinking, and she just turned around, and coasted all the way back down the mountain. Lost 15 miles, all up, I don't know what she's thinking, like she was gonna go home or something, this was like in, Idaho or something. You know, there was no way she was getting home. And so we were all behind her by a couple hours. And so we saw her coasting back down the mountain. And she's like, I'm done. I'm just, I'm, I can't go any further. And my dad, he's like, well, what are you going to do? 
we're going that way. We're going up the hill. You can't go home by yourself. You got nobody with you. Your only choice is you got to turn around and you got to ride that mountain again. You have to climb that mountain again because you got no other choice. We can't take you home. We're in the middle of nowhere. You know what that girl did? She turned around and she rode that mountain again, 15 miles. But this time she was with her people. She was with her group. We were able to feed her some food because she didn't have enough food. We rested with her. We kept her animated. We kept her from hopelessness. And dadgum, she didn't ride that mountain again twice in one day. Where the first time, she's going to give up. Half a mile from the top, she was going to give up. But when she was with her people, when she was with her community, she rode it twice. That's the power of community. That's the power of community for people who don't believe. They need believers who so say, you can do this. I'll do it with you. I'll help you. Here's some food. Here's some Captain Crunch. You need some sugar. You need, here's a Coca-Cola. I drank Coca-Colas all day long. Because you had to. That's where it started, huh? <laughs> you had to eat all the time. If you didn't, you became completely just physically depleted. So we were constantly going, you can't make it. Have you eaten yet? Did you eat anything? I can't believe that she actually rode 30 miles, the same mountain, twice in one day. And the difference was she was with people. That was the difference. Is that like when Coca-Cola had cocaine in it? What did you say? Is that when they had cocaine? No, I'm not that old. What's <laughs> your problem? <laughs> this is why I think our camping trip was so fun, you guys. We got a little taste of that. We got a little taste of living together, eating together, being together, right? We had um, dinner that one night, and we had breakfast, and we had another dinner. We had Brian Fenner come and preach to us, and we prayed, and then I saw people praying for Bob. It was a tiny little bit of taste of what it would be like to live together. Because we were kind of, we had kind of like retreated from this craziness to a place of escape, and we were together. We had enough food. We shared our camp chairs together. It didn't matter who had what. Um, Craig had that razor thing. He had a razor. Um, Polaris. Polaris. And everybody loved that. He took us out on the rides and he wouldn't stop talking about it. You get in that, you get in the front and he'd tell you everything in that Polaris. I bought this, this is extra, this is where the the the, um, the shocks, you can have them soft, you can have them hard, you can do blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And he told us everything about that because he loved it. Because it was, it was his joy to share it with us. I remember David Waterman was supposed to go out on what he thought was 8.30 on Monday morning. And if you know David Waterman, he gets his mindset on something, he's going to do it. So I was fixing to make him eggs at 8 o'clock um, Monday morning. He's like, no, I can't have eggs. I'm like, why can't you have eggs? So I have to be at 8.30. I'm like, okay, well, it will only take me five minutes to cook eggs. He's like, well, I have to be out there by 8.30. I'm like, okay. So I made him eggs and he was antsy. He gets out at 8.30 and come to find out Craig had left already. It was really 8 o'clock. Something got messed up. And I was like, man, I hope he can, like, I hope it's, he can be okay with that. But you know what Craig did? Rolled back around at 8.45, picked David Waterman up, took him around. Yeah, and David got to drive it, got up to 60 miles an hour, and it made his day. Because he loves that kind of thing. That's the love of community, where this man was like, you know what, I know this kid really wanted to ride, and I'm not only gonna let him ride, let me drive, because I want him to experience this. That's what I'm talking about. 
That's what I'm talking about with the community, where you share your lives and your stuff together because it brings you joy to share it and bless other people. That's the kind of community I'm talking about. I believe that this is the vehicle that God wants to use to rescue the world. Like Joseph, the story of Joseph. You know, Joseph, you remember the story of Joseph? He um, was in the he was in the pit, then he was in the prison, then he finally gets released from the prison because he's able to interpret these dreams. And Pharaoh has this dream of seven um, lean cows eating seven fat cows and something about, see what else, some grains of something or other. But the whole idea is there's going to be seven years of famine. And Joseph accurately interpreted the dreams. He said there's going to be seven years of famine and you need to store up for it. And Pharaoh's like, you know what, since you had that dream, you need to be the one to do it. And so what happened? Joseph, three things happened because Joseph had this dream, accurately interpreted it and communicated it. What happened? One, he saved many people. He stored up grain and he saved many people. Egyptians, not his people, Egyptians. Now, was he able to save his family? He did because his family came from, from um, Canaan. They were able to barter and get grain and he actually saved his family but he saved Egyptians. God used Joseph to save the chosen and the Gentiles. And I'm telling you right now, God wants to use us to save us and to save the world. That's number one. Number two, what, what happened with Joseph when he accurately interpreted the dream and obeyed? He rose to power. He was given great responsibility, significant power in the land of Egypt. He was number two in the land because of what God was doing for him. God wants to use us as influence and leaders in society. We need to accurately interpret the signs, we need to obey God, and he wants to bring us to places of leadership where we can save the people around us. What's the third most important thing that happened because of this? God was glorified. God was glorified because of who Joseph was and what he did, and people, knew there was a God in the land that wanted to seek and save people. And he uses people like you and me to do it. And I believe that's our great opportunity for this year, 2020, you guys. Um, you know, I've been praying a lot about Supper Club and praying a lot about, especially going through summer and COVID and all this. And I really think, and I want some input from you guys. And this is where you guys can give me input or you can give me input later. You know, one of the, when we were up camping, Man, I felt, I don't know about you guys, I felt so on the money up there. I felt like I was, I was, what is it? Hitting all cylinders, hitting all the cylinders? There you go. What's my right, what's my right thing there? That's all good. Is that right? It was in my wheelhouse. I was doing what I was called to do. And, and we had 30-ish people up there maybe. And it was a real blessing to me. Because it's what, it's what I'm called to do. And so I'm at, I've been asking the Lord, I'm like, Lord, how do we bring that back to Castle Rock with us? I, I don't know about you, but lately, within this year, I know three marriages have collapsed for really weird things. Weird, weird, weird things. I know marriage is on the verge of collapse. And I feel like 
there's been a scattering of people and they, they are just, they're just bobbing around, floating around with no connection to anybody or anything. And they've lost their compass, so to speak. They don't, they don't know where to go, they don't know where to do. And I believe these are people that used to be connected in community, that used to be anchored in community, used to have accountability, used to have fellowship, used to, be, used to pray, they used to learn, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, but, but they, for some reason or other, have been set afloat. They're not connected to anything, they're not anchored to anything, and they're just bobbing around completely rudderless. That's the word I'm looking for. And I think those are just a couple of people. I think there are hundreds of people out there. I mean, I know with mediations, they're just going through the roof. And so I've been asking myself and asking the Lord, what does that mean for us here at Supper Club? What does that mean for us as Noahs? How are we supposed to walk out our Noah anointing here at Supper Club? And one of the things that I've been thinking, I do want your feedback on this. A couple things is we've got some small groups. Chris and I are going to start up marriage probably in August. Bob, I don't know if you're start. You're going to go back to men's group or not. No. Yeah. Janet, what about you? If, if we can meet again. Would you meet at um, Phyllis's house? Is that what you do? When do you think, like September? I'm hoping, but I don't know. Okay. My thoughts have been, you guys, I think that on some Saturday nights, I would like to do like a cookout somewhere at somebody's house or a movie night at somebody's like get a big blow up movie screen and invite people over with camp chairs and watch a movie on the screen and this is where we invite maybe our non-christian friends or our minimally connected christian friends to something that's low risk it's not going to church it's not going to supper club it's not listen to someone preach it's coming and watching a movie with other christians it's coming and have a barbecue with other Christians. I was thinking about you, and I was thinking about a um, young adults group, a young adult Bible study, or group, or fellowship group, or whatever. And so I've really been thinking there might be some Saturdays I'd really like for us to consider. And you know what, you guys? Me and Chris can't do it all. We're busy. He's running wild with um, refis right now. So we can't carry the load of being the community people. I need someone else to carry the load. I need some other people to open up their homes, or have some ideas, or run groups, or do something, because I really believe the vehicle for our salvation and the word salvation this year is community, godly community. And I'm not willing to see these people that are minimally connected just drown in life. I'm not willing, are you willing to see that? I'm not willing for that. I don't believe God is willing for that. So I'm asking for your help, you guys. I'm asking for your help as we think this through. It might be cool once a month or twice a month. We are like, you know what? We're not going to meet in this building. We're going to meet at somebody's house and have barbecue. We're going to have a movie night. We're going to, I can rent us a place at, if we can at the um, park and we can barbecue over there. Seriously. I need your help on this. I feel a burden for this. I need you guys to pray about this. Is that fair? Yeah. I'm going to wrap up. I'm going to pray for us. That's really my sermon, you guys, is I think that God is calling us. He really wants us to have eyes to see what's going on right now. We're not to be afraid, but we need to be like Joseph. We need to be like Noah. We need to hear God and obey. What's God, what's God telling you personally? 
Does any of this ring to you? Does it not? I'm asking you to be vigilant, be aware, and have a heart for your neighbors. There are going to be neighbors around you who are really scared. And it's, it's our assignment. It's our assignment to show them who God is. Right? It's our assignment. I'm going to pray for us. So, Lord, I thank you, God. Thank you for, I do thank you for this wonderful group of people who are so sweet to me, God. And I pray for our community, Lord. I pray, God. I pray, first of all, Lord, I'll pray for our country. I know you love America. Thank you, God, that you love America. Thank you, God, that you love America. God, save America. God, I pray for our president. I pray for our governor. I pray for every single person, every elected and non-elected ruler in our land. God, I pray that you would encounter them. They would know you. They would hear your voice, and they would obey you, Lord. I pray, God, that you would pull the covers off everything unclean in our country. You'd expose everything, that you would sweep away the unclean, the sin, the wickedness that has been hidden for so long. God, I pray that you would sweep it away. God, I pray that you come and save our country. Lord, begin with us. Begin with our hearts, God, that we would um, examine our own hearts for what needs to be cleansed, needs to be revealed to you, Lord. Thank you for godly community. Thank you for people that love us right where we're at, God. I pray for our family and our prodigals. God, we call them home. We call them home. You're not going to stop calling them home. We call home our prodigals and say, you belong in the ark with us. You belong here, and we're saving a place at the table for you. We're not giving up your place. This is where you belong, and we call the prodigals home. I pray for restoration. I pray for checks in the mail, like Emma would say, checks in the mail for everyone who needs financial breakthrough. I pray for your will to be done in our lives and in our group, God, that we would glorify you with our obedience and how we represent you to the world, Lord. We love you, God, and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.